When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. good episode for you today um for those of you on youtube know i didn't get dressed up for this this session i just got off school like five minutes ago um so i'm not taking the time to even change clothes just gotta get straight in here on it because there's a very short window of time that i was able to meet up with our guest this week her name is jennifer she is coming to talk about an encounter she had in 1980 with an alien creature or an extraterrestrial or what she believes could only be an extraterrestrial creature. Um, I haven't spoken to her more than just a few emails, but it's extremely terrifying. Uh, the description of this thing. Okay. I'll let her describe it, but, uh, Wow. It, it's an experience. She was in Northern Virginia. I'll let her go into detail about it, but to be face to face with a being that isn't supposed to exist, that will humble you. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll bring Jennifer on. But first, I mean, just let everybody know again, uh, as of right now, Patreon is closed. You can join through the website at thebumppodcast.com to be a member, uh, the Believers Only section. It's $1.75 a week to join, which I might have to adjust that one way or the other because it looks like the the site I go through, they also take a percentage. But I don't know if it's a percentage or a dollar amount. And the way that works is I'm only charging $1.75 a week. Well, they take a 50 cent charge per transaction. So at $1.75, they take a 50 cent charge. That is about 30 to 35% of the whole fee goes to them. Now, if it's a 50 cent charge on, say, $7 a month, like every other show out there, then it's a much smaller percentage. You, you see what I'm saying? Uh, it would take it from 30% to, I don't know, like 12 or something like that. Much more doable. So um, smaller than that even, 8%. So that, that's doable. So I have to see 
why it's such a, a huge percentage. And if if that's a cut, if they want 30%, then I guess we'll have to go back to Patreon or I'll just cancel the whole thing and we won't do member stuff. Um, we'll figure it out. But for now, that's what's up. That's why Patreon doesn't have anything going on. That's why you didn't get charged on Patreon. And everything is going to the website, members only. And if you just want to donate to the show, there's a donate button on there too. All right. Uh, I think that's about all the changes. Everything. I'm trying to get everything on the website. I'm working on merch. Nothing yet. Um, I'm trying to wait till probably after the holidays. It's, it's a very stressful time of year. Um, but that's for a Sunday Musings episode, ain't it? That's, that's something I can vent about on one of those special episodes. So what we'll do is go ahead and bring Jennifer on and get into this alien encounter. Okay. All right. So thank you for having me. As we've been uh, talking over the past couple of weeks, I live a very quiet um, suburban lifestyle, I'm a member of the community, own and run several businesses, a PTA kind of mom involved in Boy Scouts and so forth. So I don't have this opportunity much to talk about these experiences, but you know, my whole life, since I can remember, I mean, I can actually remember being in the crib, um, having paranormal experiences. And I sort of, that was the norm for me. I grew up with just sort of having one foot in the spiritual world. And then in, through conversing with my mom, I realized that she shared that reality with me. So it didn't seem like anything odd was occurring. Um, so the, the paranormal world I'm very comfortable with because that was validated for me at a very early age. And, you know, as we've discussed, it's somewhat passed on to my son. But what I contacted you about, because this is only something that I've been relatively recently comfortable um, talking about, was my experience. I did have an alien encounter when I was eight years old. And um, I've had a, a couple others that were very, very mild. This one was a very profound experience for me. And um, it wasn't until later in life that I found out my parents, uh, before I was born, also had an alien encounter with some friends of theirs, neighbors. And my husband has also had a couple. My husband's the most straight-laced Virgo man you could ever, that you could ever meet. So, um, you know, I, you know, I find myself questioning how, how much more part of my life maybe this has been than I've allowed it right. to be. Because, you know, I don't watch as much of the alien stuff as I do the paranormal stuff. But the stuff that I, because I like to watch that kind of TV, but the stuff that I do watch of the alien stuff, you kind of get this idea that it's not a one and done thing, that they sort of, you know, check in on their test subjects or whatever. So I, I just kind of find myself, I don't have a lot in that, but I just find myself curious. So to actually tell you about that experience, I was um, eight years old and it was at a, a bit of a tumultuous, I did have some uh, tumultuous times as a child. My parents are sort of like, you know, quintessential 1970s, 1980s parenting, not the highest responsibility parents known to man. So my parents had separated and I lived in Northern Virginia and my, my brother and I were living with my mom 
and my mom wasn't doing so well at the time. So we had a lot of freedom and uh, we lived in a, in Northern Virginia, but the apartment complex we lived in was kind of out in a forested area. And you kind of had that almost rural feeling to it. Lots of, um, lots of forest around us. And, um, it was, I don't even know if I had to guess it would have been the fall, but I don't have a clear enough memory of knowing what time of year it was. But um, I had been at a friend's house all day and my mom's boyfriend had come to pick me up at one of the other buildings in our apartment complex. And the way the apartment complex was set up, it was several buildings, but they were kind of clustered together. And in between each cluster was um, either the the pool area or there were a couple of forested woodsy areas and then there was a um, play area so to get to my house from my friend's house we had to go across the somewhat open area then cross through the playground and then go into a forested area to get to my apartment so it was dusk it was right before dinner time so it must have been the fall and um we, my mom's boyfriend was walking a little ahead of me. We were just passing through the playground area and we were getting ready to enter the um, forested area. And I, something, I don't know if I heard something, but something prompted me to turn around. So I turned around and I am telling you not, I'm actually breaking out into goosebumps right now not more than 10 feet away from me was, I mean, I don't know if there's a, a better word for them, but it was an alien being, and it was clearly alien. It was very tall, um, very slender, like stretched. Um, it had the gray skin that you hear about and very long arms and very long uh, bulbous kind of, you know, fingers. I, I almost want to say like ET who had the like the bulbs at the end of his fingers. But what is different about this experience and I've heard with other people is that he had almost like a, and I don't know why I know, but he was, it was male. I, I just know that that was, um, um, you know, the, the characteristics would be male, though there was no discerning characteristics, but I got a very male vibe from him but he had like a hammerhead shark head so um i don't see that often in alien depictions you normally get those you know the triangular um alien guys and i've done minor google research on this and some stuff comes up but it's nothing um i, I guess it's just nothing there's not a lot of data a lot of experiences with that but he was looking at me and I wasn't scared. It was weirdly, you know, like I said, it was sort of this tumultuous time in my life. And I turned around and my immediate impression was that this was a friend. I was immediately at ease. Yeah. I almost felt like a, um, a protective love or something. Like I kind of got the feeling that it was, things were going to be okay. I don't, you know, but I knew instinctively, you know, I could tell that my mother's boyfriend was getting further away from me. And I knew instinctively I was to be quiet, that I was not to draw attention to this experience. And in fact, he brought his left hand up and kind of, you know, did one of his fingers like this. So he knew enough about to like, you wow. know, indicate for me to be quiet. 
And I acknowledged it. I just sort of, you know, looked at him and I just turned around and walked home. And, you know, my life was weird enough <laughs> that that was normal enough for me not to freak out or be scared about it. And it's just one of those things that I had had as a memory my entire life and never talked about it until I think my husband, maybe my cousin, but it wasn't until my 20s that I told anybody about it for the first time. And like I said, it didn't, my, my paranormal experiences set me off on a lifelong search for the you know ex for paranormal experience i was like i'm actually going with one of my best friends on a ghost hunt in a couple of weeks you know oh, we've got our little our little things and we just have fun it's like mom's night out where we giggle through the whole thing but i never had that feeling compelled to research any of the alien stuff but it was one of those that you know i know it for I know it to be true. I mean, it was, it's as real of an experience for me as anything else I've experienced. Wow. So, so a feeling of, of peace. It was, it was a friend, you know, it was love. There was love there. And, yeah. You know, I never felt, and I don't ever, like, I don't feel like I had memory wiped and that I got, you know, taken or probed or any, you know, anything like that. But you know, like even now our house, we're in a small town in Florida and um, we back up our house. We have a big sliding glass door in the back and it is overlooks a retention area. So there's trees and it's dark out there. Like at night, it's pitch black. And every once in a while, I'll just get an idea. Like it's something will cross through my mind. I wonder if he ever checks in. Like it's the thing substantial nothing that I can hold on to but you know it's something that crosses my mind from time to time yeah so. for sure um <clears throat> okay a couple questions okay one were there any um lights involved like did you see any kind of craft before or after no not at all um <laughs> did he just step out of the tree lawn basically no, because he was behind me in the open, you know, I, without getting too, you know, pedantically, you know, specific. It was if you were leaving my apartment, you'd go through the wooded area, you'd come to the, um, <clears throat> the playground area. Then there was a small amount of flatland and a little grassy knoll that led up to the um stairs to the pool area so he was kind of walking along that small strip of grass that was right before the knoll to the stairs to you know okay. so in between the stairs to the pool and the in the playground area but it was kind of like i don't know even though he was fully exposed no one like my mom's boyfriend wasn't anywhere even remotely aware of his presence you know it's interesting too and he didn't that this being he didn't seem too scared of you either like he was mm -mm. and i know i'm there were no words spoken right so i'm strictly going on how i felt and i was eight you know i wasn't aware eight-year-old but i was definitely eight um so you know i was a child but you know child people underestimate children and they my alarms were not 
raised. And if I had to really like look at the moment, I almost feel like it was accidental. Mm -hmm. Like, oops, she sees me. Oh, right. Okay. So it was, I didn't feel like he was stalking me. I didn't feel like that this was anything purposeful. It was more like we kind of bumped into each other and it was kind of like, hey, you know, keep going, you know, that kind of thing. But it wasn't like dangerous or anything. It was more of just a mutual respect. And, you know, it was very quick. That leads me down so many other rabbit holes of thought. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I've thought, you know, I think about it often enough because I felt such affection from him. Yeah. That, you know, I just kind of find myself, I don't know, you know, I, I go down rabbit holes too. So I understand. Yeah. Um, uh, another question. Well, I'll, before I go off, um, if he was just kind of there, you turned around happen to spot him spot each other that area that you're in a northern at the time of northern virginia I know you, were, Excuse me. you were just eight years old and i know that was you know a while back but do you know of any other high strangeness any kind of um activity in that area like was it known for that kind of stuff was it known for ufo sightings or you know at the time i didn't know yeah i you know i yeah. And obviously that was before the internet. So it wasn't like people were jumping on and sharing their experiences. But, you know, I, like I said, I've only recently felt, I don't want to say comfortable because I'll tell you anything, right? I'm, I'm an open book. So if somebody had asked me at 15, I would have told them, but I've only had an interest in originating this recently. So um, I joined because we just purchased a home up in the Northwest corner of um, North Carolina. So it kind of brings me back into that Appalachian oh, absolutely. area that I, you know, I grew up in, um, which then that, you know, I, I joined this witchy group, which is just kind of for fun and which left, led me to the cryptid group. Mm -hmm. And then it's comforting being around people who have had these experiences because in my little Boy Scout room mom universe, we're not sitting around talking about Mothman, right? <laughs> right? And so it's nice that I can get my freak on and not have people look at me like I have that second head, you know? Oh, yeah. So it was in that cryptid group that I just decided somebody said, hey, has anybody actually encountered an alien? And I was like, well, I, I really have. And I was very cognizant during the encounter it wasn't like I recalled it in some therapy session you know I knew it was happening right as it happened and so when I mentioned where what happened in northwest or northeast Virginia a lot of the response was oh my gosh that area was crazy active back in the 70s and 80s mm. so that wasn't my firsthand experience but it doesn't surprise me I mean I go very conspiracy theorists on it it is the suburbs of the nation's capital you know so if there is an alien race who's watching this planet washington dc would be an area that they would watch Definitely. and they would seek shelter in the thick woods of northern virginia because it's so close and they can hide there you know yeah. that kind of a thing so that's that's my reasoning 
that might even work there in DC. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, really? You think so? <laughs> Can I, I actually so. tell you a really a quick funny story? Yeah. So I was I was a school teacher. I lived out in California for a while. So I was an elementary school teacher and I taught first grade for about a year and a half. So I had this adorable little student and he, even his mom said that when he was born, he looked like an alien. I mean, he had a very triangular face and big eyes and my classroom led out onto the blacktop and he um, was sick one day and didn't want to go out to PE. He's the six-year-old little boy. So he asked if he could stay in for PE in the classroom. And I said, fine. And he wanted to know if he could sit at the back door and just watch the other kids playing PE. So I said, yeah, that's not a problem for me. So I'm sitting at my desk and he's sitting on the floor, just looking out at these other kids playing. And he finally like looks at me and he goes, Miss Jennifer. And I said, yes, Colin. He goes, have you ever noticed? And he's almost like in a trance-like state. And he said, have you ever noticed how some people are just people and some people are aliens pretending to be people. And I looked at him and I was like, of all the people for him to say this to, <laughs> this is the right person to be saying this to. Yeah. And I said, well, Colin, I'm not sure I have fully experienced that. And he was like, oh, well, and I said, am I a person or <laughs> am I an alien pretending to be a person? And he looked at me and I felt like he was looking at me with x-ray vision and he goes, no you're a real person. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought too. And then he just went back to watching the mm -hmm. the people on the blacktop. And I thought, my gosh, what is he seeing? Or what, you know, what was his reality at that moment? Yeah. So I think of that in Washington, D.C., that there's definitely people there that are not, you know, oh, yeah. that are not people. So. Well, you know, he's probably saying, uh, Miss Jennifer, is Am I putting on a good enough act? Can you, <laughs> <I know. laughs> you know? can you see me for who I am? Yeah. And I should have said yes, Colin. I actually can, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. Okay. So close to DC. I was I was asking because of he if this I don't know what to call it, he or or being or whatever. If it he just, works for me. It was, uh, it was anyway, that works. The key. Okay. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, is there some kind of portal activity or something like that? But, you know, if there's no report of lights, there's no, don't know where he came from. There wasn't any kind of pop sound or anything like that. He's just there, right? He was just there, but I can't imagine that he walked in from the parking lot. Do you know what I, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I, you know, I, I kind of think that maybe there was some, you know, Star Trek materialization or something that occurred and, you know, which caused me to turn around, but there was no real sound. So if I, if I like in the memory of it, there's no sound at all, okay. which is very quiet and peaceful. There was just this very tranquil feeling. And you said that you have like a, uh, kind of like a sensitivity to the paranormal, right? Yeah. Okay. Was, for better or for worse. Yeah. Was that present before this experience? That's been present since my earliest memories. So, wow. You know, yeah. Okay. I I remember. I I actually remember being a baby, and people laugh at me for that. I don't have a tremendous amount of memory, but I do have memories of being a baby, and I have very 
very distinct memories of laying in my crib and there was always a shadow of a profile of somebody's head up in the corner. And I remember as a, an infant it, having clear conceptual thoughts of, I don't feel in danger, but I don't feel comforted, you know, yeah. but I could hear my parents down the hallway watching TV. And that was, I knew I was safe because there were other people in the house, but, and that just, started a whole lifetime's worth of experiences but my mother had a similar sensitivity and as I got older she would say things that I registered as oh I have those same things you know even though we were a relatively suburban family right and then you know I've mentioned though that I have um a son now who who is now 15 but you know, I, even though I live in the paranormal world, I really wanted to give him a grounded uh, childhood yep. of going to the zoo and being a room mom and boy scouts and stuff like that. So I'm not, I don't shun the paranormal, but I'm not one of those parents that, you know, I love Halloween, but I don't, um, don't encourage it and I wasn't showing him scary shows when he was little you know we were all about Sesame Street you know we lived a very you know pastel rainbowy childhood but at a, a very early age he um he told me you know at three years old we saw a car accident which um led him to tell me of a past life experience of his and then from then on he for about three years it was non-stop he you know, he came in from outside and I said, why aren't you playing outside? Well, the boy in the tree keeps throwing acorns at me. And, you know, there was no boy in the tree, you know, that kind of a thing. So yeah. I went, crap, you know, yeah. <laughs> dang it. I was yeah. really hoping his childhood would be quieter than mine. And, you know, so it seems to go down the line. Well, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable with it, why don't you uh, hit me with, you know, what, what kind of experiences that, you know, your mother relayed to you that you've had as you know growing okay. up and coming up in age and uh that your sons expressed i, I would love to hear because this this generational thing i'm fascinated when it, when yeah it... well i i'm fascinated by it too because i think you know if you met my mom she was a freak i loved her mm -hmm. but she was that 1970s ouija board freaky mom you okay. know so one would think that she had experiences if they were self-created or that they just came natural but then her um my grandmother i could not imagine being aware of her next door neighbor let alone a ghost in the house you know what i mean yeah. like i can't she was such an uptight very strict um woman that i but i think you know she if it is going down the line she must have had experiences too but mm -hmm. i just know about my mom and me and and my son so and unless it started with your mom you know maybe your mom dabbled into something and you know well you know i know because my mom i do i have very you know it, it, and i laugh because i feel that anybody who knows about this era and lives a paranormal life will think that this is so like typical, but I have memories of being six years old and my mom listening to heart 
with her Ouija board, you know? What I mean? Yeah. <laughs> It was so like 1978 with, you know, the hippie thing, you know, and the hip huggers and, you know, that kind of a thing. So, you know, she may have created things. And I know my, her sister, who I didn't know very well, was her older sister, but I know she actually, and I found this out later in life, but it doesn't surprise me. She actually considered herself a witch and dappled in black magic and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, she had a thing with my family. She didn't get along with my mom and didn't like my dad. And there were some issues there. So, you know, it was, you know, and they came from a very suburban, you know, traditional leave it to beaver type of upbringing. So maybe my mom, maybe it was created somehow. Yeah, it could be. So so what what did your mom does, does she see things, hear things? How do well, it work? Well, she, it was very, I think the first time I really became aware of it in my mom was, uh, I want to say almost maybe when I was 10 and, you know, keeping in mind, I had had this lifetime's worth of experiences, but she was, she had moved into this house. She, after she left my dad, there were like a series of guys. So this was one of her boyfriend's houses. And so every time I would go visit her, sometimes she'd be in a new house. And this house was clearly haunted and creepy. It was, they had a decorated creepily. You know, Mm -hmm. the people who lived there were not happy-go-lucky people. There was a lot of dark furniture and a house in the house just from that. But lots of dark corners and lots of creaks and things like that. So, you know, I would go into the house and I only maybe went in once or twice and my, you know, my hackles were raised and um she started to mention how you know she was hearing things and seeing things and um in this house in particular and that was the first time that she spoke to me about this before she left because when she left I was raised by my dad and my brother so before that when she you know 10 years earlier she didn't talk to me about it. I just experienced it through her. I saw her working the Ouija board. I saw her, you know, doing things, but I didn't, she didn't necessarily converse with me about it. So this was like the first time that I went, oh, this is her reality as well. So, but, you know, for me, you know, I'm, she's living in Southern Virginia at this point, and I'm in my house, you know, in Northern Virginia with my dad and I'm hearing voices telling me to shush. I guess there's almost like a shush theme on this. But, you know, my brother used to live in the basement and he would, um, I would be home alone after school and I would hear noises downstairs in the basement. So I would open the door and yell down to see if my brother was there. He's five years older than me and I didn't like being in the house alone. And I would get shushed every time I did that. So that was a a constant for me. And there were a couple of times when I was in that house in in my bedroom. And I used to have a lot of nightmares, like very vivid nightmares in that bedroom. And both my, um, you know, I had those blinds that all you had to do was pull them and then they would roll back up. So both popped at the same time and rolled up. And, you know, another time I was nine years old, Uh, no I was probably 10 and I was home alone and I was taking a bath and the wall to the bathroom also 
was shared by the master bedroom. And I heard this pounding on the wall and it was scaring me. It was like, I actually felt the other stuff I didn't like, but this was scary. It sounded, it sounded like a door was being slammed and, you know, opened. I yeah. uh, slammed against the wall. And so I got out of the bath, put my clothes on wet and ran out of the house, shut the door, ran up the street. And my, we had a nanny at the time who was living with us. And so she had just picked her son up from school. So met me halfway up the hill and she could see something had happened I said I think there's somebody in the house and we turned around and you know I was only like four houses away from my house um so she would have been looking behind me so we turned around to go back to the house and the front door was wide open so there was that time yeah and then um and tell me if I'm Oh no, you're good. You're, you're... Okay, tell me if I'm telling too many because I I have fun with my with my Honda stories, but um, my my big experience was when I lived in San Francisco. But I'll tell you about that in a second. My most I think fun experience with the paranormal was um, fast forward into my late late twenties, and I had gotten a call that my mom was getting ready to pass away. So my husband and I flew back to Virginia. We were living in California at the time. And um, we stayed at a hotel and my brother and his family had arrived. So it was our first night there. And uh, my brother and I, we got our families settled. And then we went to the hotel desk to see if they had like a conference room that we could use because we just he and I needed to sit together in a private space and come to grips with what was happening and kind of go into planning mode because we knew she wasn't dead yet, but we knew we had a funeral that we were going to be confronted with and so forth. So the hotel was very accommodating and we sat until two o'clock in the morning discussing um, all the intelling stories and all that kind of stuff. So we had hotel rooms right next to each other and we walked each other up to our rooms and um, we said our good night and our, our doors were right next to each other. So I go into my room, he goes into his room and I had already, you know, I'm a big fan of like brushing my teeth and washing my face before I go to bed. And I had already done that and I was really tired. It was two o'clock. So from the time of walking into the room and being in the bed was maybe three minutes, right? I was dead tired. I get into the bed and I hear this knock at the door, like a really soft knock. And I, my first impression was that my brother, this was before smartphones and so forth, right? This was back in 19, in 2000. So I got the impression that my brother maybe had forgotten to talk to me about something and needed me to come back out. So I was getting ready to get back up and then I, the knock got a little bit stronger and, um, I got this very clear feeling of mm, don't do that. Don't, don't go to the door. So then I laid back down and I heard the door handle, like somebody was kind of testing the door handle. So I just, I got the heebie-jeebies, went to sleep, didn't think anything of it. So I get up the next morning and you have to keep in mind, my brother is five years older than me. There is not a paranormal bone 
in that man's body. He <laughs> very much lives in the real world. Um, I don't even know if he knows how much I've experienced. You know, that is, he is just a businessman there. It, you know, that is not his world. So, and he thought my mom was just absolutely crazy. You know, he shared no reality with her on that at all. So um, I, we get up, we shower, we get ready for the day. We go to meet up with them for breakfast. And I go over to his hotel room and he's looking at me and he goes, oh my God, you won't re you won't believe what happened after you and I separated last night. So I said, well, well, tell me. So this is the story he tells me. He said, from the moment I shut the door and got into bed was maybe five minutes. And he goes, I fell asleep. And he goes, I heard somebody gently knock at the door. And my first impression was that you needed to talk to me. So I'm sitting there going, I understand this story. Right. He said, somebody was trying the, um, the door handle. So I was getting ready to get up and go check the door. And, you know, he was there with his wife and my niece and nephew. My niece at the time was, I think she was nine. So, um, you know how when you sleep in those rooms, there's two queen beds. So you and, you know, he and his wife were in one bed and the, his son and daughter were in the next bed. So he got to get up out of the bed and at the foot of his bed was a little girl who he thought was his daughter. And um, he thought maybe she was sleepwalking and maybe that was the sound at the door. So he was like, you know, Jessica, what's going on? And she didn't um, move or say anything. So he turned over and, and turned the light on in the room because now he's in dad mode, right? right? And the face that he's looking at sleeping in the bed next to him is his daughter and he turns and that girl is no longer there. So he's like, can you believe <laughs> what, what happened? I was like, actually I can, you know? So that was, wow. yeah, I felt validated on that because my very non-paranormal brother had that experience and then some yeah and then some and then some so i always wonder like when somebody is that skeptical you know that that against it or not even against it just not acknowledging it how do they explain that stuff away i don't know because i almost think they do have a file in their memory cabinet of fun ghost stories yeah this will be something that i can whip out at a you know, at a campfire or something. Because yeah. everybody, even the most skeptical, they have a story. You know, most yeah. everybody yeah. has a story. Yeah. But it's it's filed under the fun kooky Halloween experience as opposed to this stuff really exists and it's it's really there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a the same uh, everybody has a story. You know, I've I've said that constantly and Everybody like, well, not me. You know, I don't have one. You know, I have students. I don't have any stories. And then, except for this one time. But there was this one time yeah. when I was 10 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so then, and now I don't know if you, when I lived in San Francisco, now I have a theory. I don't know if I can share my theory with you. Of course you can. But, okay. okay. So, my degree, I got a degree in English literature at the University of San Francisco, which I found out in the last five years or so 
that that area of San Francisco, that college is built on the original um, cemeteries of San Francisco. <laughs> and um, they, when San Francisco is a new city, that was kind of considered the outskirts of the city, which is now it's it's not the downtown area, but it is definitely San Francisco. It's right near the Golden Gate Park. And um, that was where they had all their cemeteries. And then when San Francisco in the early 1900s outgrew or in the late 1800s outgrew their space, then they moved the cemeteries, hopefully, um, to a town just south of San Francisco called Coma, California. And they built a college right there, which happens to be, of course, the college, and I chose that school because I'm a Grateful Dead fan. So I chose <laughs> that school because it was 1990 in San Francisco, and I just wanted to go to Grateful Dead concerts. So, um, of course, I choose a college that I later find out is built on five cemeteries, but that's a whole other story. So, my degree was English literature, and I caught this bit of information in one of my classes because whenever you hear about a haunted house, it's a haunted Victorian. It's a haunted Victorian farmhouse. It's right. a haunted. So it's this Victorian era. It's usually, you know, you never um, hear about the haunted mid-century modern or the haunted, yeah. you know, condo in Miami Beach. You know, right. I'm sure they do exist, but it's always that Victorian. So I learned in my degree that Charles Darwin and his theory of evolution came around in, in, during the Victorian era. And it's the first generation of people that didn't die with the set knowledge that they were going to heaven or hell. That maybe we just come from monkeys and maybe we just die. That's interesting. Yes. So they locked and loaded. So they dropped their bodies and they went, I don't know where to go. I don't have any way to move forward. And I think that's why you always hear about the haunted victorians right i absolutely love that i've never heard that before in my life yeah well that's that's the the jennifer theory so (laughs) but being sensitive going to a college unknowingly on five cemeteries and living in a victorian city there were freaking ghosts everywhere and i don't see them right i would love to Right. My my abilities, for lack of a better word, are really terrible. I don't really flat out hear them. I don't really see them, but I feel them so concretely. I know where they are and I get stories. So, you know, neither my husband, who's pretty straight laced, he'll validate it. And I'll just go, oh, my gosh, this person is, you know this is the situation with this person and he, you know, he wow. trusts me and so forth. But, um, and I have a kind of a funny little small story to tell you if you want to hear it after that. But so walking around that city was crazy because it's just full of dark Victorians and addicts. And you just, you know, you just know that they're up there just looking out, you know, going, how do I move past this? Yeah. So, um, that was a very long way to preface that I lived in a very haunted Victorian for a year and it got so excessive that we had to, we had to move. And I was living with a series of roommates at the time. And um, 
it was right off campus. So it was in that same area that had been um, the, the cemeteries. And it started out, I came home early from college one afternoon and it was early. I maybe had lived in San Francisco for maybe two, three months. And the way that the house, it was not a Victorian house. It was in a Victorian, they called them flats. Mm-hmm. So it was like an apartment building, but it wasn't multiple apartments per floor. It was one right. long stretched out apartment per floor. So it was three three stories. We lived on the third story and all of the front doors were at ground level. So you would enter and then we had this really super long, steep staircase that went up to the third floor and that kind of turned around and then ended up on a landing in a long skinny hallway. And then all the rooms went off the long skinny hallway. So my bedroom door happened to be the door that you first saw when you got up at the top of the stairs and at the landing and down the hallway to the left was the kitchen and what was the dining room, but we were poor college students. So somebody's bedroom was the dining room and there was a, you know, one of those, what are they called? Those flip doors that go in between. It doesn't lock, but you just push through. So anyway, so I come home from school. I lay down on the bed. I hear, and it's the middle of the afternoon. I hear the front door open and shut. So I go, okay, one of my roommates are coming home. And I hear somebody come up the stairs. And then I didn't hear anything else. So now I'm thinking we lived in a sketchy part of town. There's you know, crack dealers on the corner. So I'm like, all right, who's coming to my house? So I get up and go to the bedroom door and nobody was there. And I peer over the balcony, you know, the banister to look down and nobody's on the stairs. So I thought, oh, maybe it was our downstairs neighbors. And I'm just, you know, the, maybe the noise carried or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I got back in the bed or got back on the bed. And um, then very clearly I heard like a man with, heavy boots walk down the hallway into the kitchen when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're looking for the pack that will help you survive the worst day of your life, or a pack to use for your everyday carry that you never have to worry about failing, if you're looking for the perfect bug out bag, the perfect bushcraft pack uh, for camping, hiking, whatever your needs, go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. And check it out. All products are 100% made in America. You can use promo code BUMP22 and save 10% site-wide. All right, that's BUMP, B-U-M-P, 22 to save 10% site-wide. This is a veteran-owned business. Like I said, every component of every product made in America, the buckles, the zippers, the straps, American made. Um, there's never been a more important time than now to bring it home. You know what I mean? So go to squatchsurvivalgear.com, 
best products on the market. I've got videos on YouTube about it if you want to see it. Um, or just go to the website. Check it out. SquatchSurvivalGear.com But wait, there's more. <laughs> hey, Chris messaged me and said that if you guys use Bump22 as the promo code this year, that he's going to increase that discount to 15%. So get on there now. Use Bump22. Save 15% site-wide at SquatchSurvivalGear.com. So I got back in the bed or got back on the bed and um, then very clearly I heard like a man with heavy boots walk down the hallway into the kitchen. So I thought, well, that was weird. You know, that was weird. That was obvious, but that was weird. So I did say anything because I've lived this life and I just you know when you get so used to that kind of stuff you just stop you know it just stops becoming it stops becoming something that you feel the need to talk about so then the next morning our male roommate said would you guys be open to having like a roommate's meeting tonight so we agreed to it and we show up you know, after dinner for this roommate meeting. And he goes, I would like to discuss that maybe this house is haunted. Hmm. So he piques my interest because I had just had this experience. So he said that that night he was, um, he had gotten home late from work. He was in the kitchen. Um, Allison, who lived in the living room or the dining room, wasn't there that night. And he was in the kitchen late making a sandwich and that that door, which had a hundred years worth of paint on it. So like when you, we kind of felt good about having Allison in there because when it was in the door frame, it was jammed in there because the paint stuck it together. So he's eating his sandwich and all of a sudden that door slams open and slams back shut again. Oh. So he was like, has anybody else, had the same experience so (laughs) i raised my hand i explained what i had heard so there was a camaraderie there that okay we're not crazy and maybe something's happening and so over the course of the next you know eight months or so it progressively ramped up we um we used like idiots and i'm not a fan of the ouija board i think you're i know some people will say it's a tool of property properly used and i i do not agree with that i think it draws in um prankster spirits who at best are wanting to play pranks at worst they're wanting to find a way in yeah. you know this is you're not talking to your sweet little grandmother on the ouija board she'll come to you in dreams she will you know thank you that kind of thing yeah. so you feel the same way no, obviously absolutely, I do. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But like dumb eighteen year olds <laughs> living in a haunted Victorian in San Francisco, we had to get the Ouija board, you know. And you had the planchette moving on its own, you know, flying off the board, mm. which then brought some kind of entity into the living room. And so we left one of my best friends in the living room. She didn't even live in the house. Mm. We all went out to the store. We came back. She was like, "Oh my god!" And she had seen this like swirling mist in the corner 
Um, I woke up one night and there was a female in the corner singing to me. And it was clearly a woman in my bedroom singing me a song, you yeah. know, trying to get my attention. Um, one night I, we all woke up and there were a group of men in our hallway at the end there where the, the legit bedrooms were, and they were all talking and each one of us thought the other one was maybe having a party or had brought people home. And the next morning we were all a bit disgruntled, like it was the school night and why are you bringing, we're all like, who brought the guys home last night? And we were, each one of us was going you know, oh my gosh, we thought yeah. you were, you were the one. And then the, it takes a bit of a dark turn because the roommate who lived in the bedroom that was connected to the kitchen, she started to have some mental health issues. Mm. And we would come home from school. She was an artist and her art, she did a lot of painting in that room and the art got darker and darker and um there were a couple times i came home and she was sitting on the floor in front of her bed and she was really like zoned out kind of like in a trance and she didn't remember me coming home you know that kind of a thing right. and at christmas break she ended up kind of having a mental breakdown and she moved back home but she knew she was leaving us all in the lurch so her parents agreed to still pay her rent through the remainder of the school year. So that room became kind of this dark, oppressing room in the house right. where um, it was by the kitchen, but the lights were always off, but you just, I don't know, you just felt something in there, you know? So the springtime came and like I said, these little things ramped up and up and up and um, most of the roommates decided they wanted to move. And I was, I was okay staying there at least through the summer because, you know, it was convenient and there was parts of the actual house that I liked. So I found a whole new set of roommates to come in and um, for the summer, they were kind of taking over the leases for the summer. And I, they were open, you know, we were all just a bunch of hippies living in San Francisco, but I didn't let them know how, what had been happening in the house. I thought maybe with some people leaving, things would change. So we put two girls, and you know, in hindsight, I feel maybe a little bit bad, but <laughs> we put two girls as roommates in that back room. That was, you know, the dining room that was off the kitchen. And one of them had her friend come over who was like a, a cleanser, a spiritual cleanser. So she just, for fun, was coming in because it was a new space for her friend. She was coming in to sage the house. And to this day, I absolutely hate sage. But she was like, you know, coming in to do her little witchy stuff. And she um, finished and she'd spent a lot of time in that back room. And then she knew I was the only original occupant of the house. So she came up to me and she's like, did you know that that back door between the kitchen and the dining room is a portal. And I went, mm, tell me more. So she said, yeah, that is crazy messed up back there. She goes, that is some passageway. And, you know, I, I even, even to this day, the mom and me goes, okay, this is just crazy what you're saying to me. So even with all my experiences, I'll go, that's just crazy talk that you're talking to me about right now. 
but she's like this is interdimensional and there's three or four different you know um pathways that are coming through here and have you ever noticed that this house has a lot of activity and some are fine and some are very angry and you know and I was like yeah maybe (laughs) maybe we've had some experiences here so my hackles got a little bit raised I ended up going back home for the summer because I just went I, I think I need to just disconnect from San Francisco and just go to suburban Virginia for a minute or two and, and kind of regain my sense of identity. And then when I came back in the fall, I was not interested. The, the house was now dark and the people who had moved in were dark. So mm. I found my own place four doors down. And I look out, I'm again on the third floor and there's an air shaft right by my front door. And there was a black pentagram that was painted so I just went, oh, you know, you can't find normalcy in San Francisco. I just need to let you know this now, <laughs> that wherever you go, there's something, you know. Mm-hmm. So I lived there for three months, and that apartment burnt down. I had um, another, uh, there was a, I didn't know at the time, but there was a crack house next door, and some lady in the bottom floor had fallen asleep with crack pipe, and it lit up through the other air shaft, and it took the back apartments and my apartment out. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, it didn't surprise me that it happened in that little grouping, you know, of buildings because it just had some, some bad joke. But then like five years later, I met this guy who's really good friends with the people who lived on the middle floor of that original building. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, somebody who lives at, at this address. And he goes, yeah, and I was like, ours was crazy haunted he was no way because they're having issues now wow and so he started telling me about all the stuff that his friends were telling him about and it mimicked exactly you know what i was going through so again you know it just it felt validating that 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 was but now i can say i lived in a haunted victorian in san francisco and i've got some street cred on that (laughs) for sure and maybe maybe whoever that was that said there was a portal on the back door or whatever maybe they were pretty legit too yeah well you know in hindsight you know at that time you know you're i'm still in that ignorance of bliss of youth where you know my experiences are real but you're full of crap you know like that kind of thing yeah, so I all stay in that. Yeah, thanks. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very easy to to discredit her. Oh, you're just some sage, shishi fufu hippie. You know, where now I look back and go, she was probably at 18 years old, very awake and very in tune with what was going on in the world. So, oh wow. And you said that this this ability, this sensitivity, has passed on to your son. It has. And, um, you know, I don't know how popular your podcast is, but I, they have no idea. My husband and son are in the other room right now. And I told them I was on some scout, you know, scout Zoom meetings that they have no idea that I'm sitting here talking about paranormal. So I hope this doesn't come back to bite me in the butt. But um, he does, he, at a very, very early age, um, said things that I knew, but I didn't put too much into it, you know, like, um as an example when he was three we were driving to barnes and noble storied toddler time you know and we experienced across the street from us at this intersection a a really bad car accident and 
I was going to turn around to help, but then I saw people were rushing to the scene. So I knew that that situation was covered. So I just decided to go on my way, but my son had seen it and he knew something was occurring. He was old enough now to know. So he said, mom, I need to tell you a story, you know, and he's now verbal for the first time, you know, at three, they're just now being able to, and as a side story prior to this, if there was anybody who felt the need to talk to my son, and I would highly recommend people never talk to toddlers because they're afraid of getting stuck into some gobbledygook, you know, conversation but you hear the most amazing things from toddlers if you actually quiet yourself enough to talk to them. So anyone who might be watching this, I highly recommend that. (laughs) Um, But my son, as he was learning to talk, the things that he wanted you to know was that he had had two best friends, that his favorite color was yellow by far. And then there was like a certain car he would see and he'd get very excited. And it was, I don't know cars, but it was one of those 1970s kind of cars, right? And so, um, and just before this experience happened, we had driven by, it was a Sunday and it was just the local community college. And my son pointed at that college and he goes, oh, my brother used to go to school there. He doesn't have a brother. And there's no way that he would have known this was a, a community college. So little things like this, but, you know, I was picking up on my son, but this real big thing happened when he was three and we're driving, we see this car accident and he goes, mom, I need to tell you something. Oh, and he also had a fascination with firemen. Like we had a, you know, his baby room was all fireman themed, you know, that oh, kind yeah. of thing. So he proceeds to tell me this story that before he came into our family, he was in another family and he had two best friends that he loved and he had this yellow car that I mean he explained it and it's the kind of car that you know and it had been I got the idea that it was like an old secondhand car that you know but he loved it and he was driving to school and he got into a terrible car accident and his two friends got out of the car and this is all because he had just seen this car accident right so he said that his two friends were able to get out of the car, but he was not. And that is how he came to be in our family. And um, and he said the firemen got there and tried to help and they worked really hard. And I feel bad for them that they were not able to help. And can you help me find them to thank them for their efforts and clearly he used his own toddler language but this was what was communicated to me and you know so again I just you know I I just turned around and I didn't want to make it more traumatic for him yeah Uh, (laughs) but I just looked at him and I thanked him for trusting me enough to tell me that story and that I'm really you know I'm really sad that you had to go through something like that but I'm really, 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 really glad that you're here. And I really, really, really love being your mom and I'm going to take care of you. And we're going to have a lot of fun. And I've, I've kept that promise. So, but that's when I, you know, I was, I felt glad that I was his mom so that he wouldn't get poo-pooed. Right. Uh, But then I was, I know what that's like to, you don't fit in at birthday parties when you're seeing things, you know what I mean? You don't, 
you don't get along with the the soccer kids when you're seeing ghosts up in the trees, you yeah. know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. There was another time we were driving through, we went back to, and he was younger than that. And I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking too much. Oh, no, you're good. Kids. You're good. Okay. Okay. Get me going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we, when he was probably two and a half, just slightly before this, was when he became verbal, he was very verbal for, about two years where a lot of things came out of him but um we had gone back to illinois to visit my in-laws and my husband had lived there for a short period of time in high school and he wanted to take us to the local cemetery and it's not what you think because my husband is not that kind of guy right um but the cemetery is a unique cemetery that it's on like parkland so it's extraordinarily beautiful lots of hills and lots of trees you know yeah. that kind of a thing and though my husband has had some experiences of his own he hasn't um he doesn't live in this world you know he's right. you know this old house kind of guy and would rather be you know fixing you know something on the porch than talking about ghost stories he's always like why are you always listening to ghost stories and it's because I feel validated that I'm not the, you know, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Anyway, so we we drive through this cemetery, and I have to say, yes, the cemeteries go, and I don't feel compelled to visit them. Just I like to go to school on top of them. <laughs> 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 but I don't, I'm not one of those that I like want to go, you know, do anything with cemeteries. Right. But, you know, my son's little at the time, so he's in a car seat, and he's still little enough that the car seat is, tipped upwards you know so he's more looking yeah. at the ceiling so in at this age he would have had no concept of seeing the the um grave sites you know the tombstones but even if he did see them he wouldn't have known what they were yeah. um but they were hard to see because the cemetery was in the woods and in the forest and it was pretty but he says to me he goes mom i don't like it here there's too many people up in the trees. Oh. And I just went, holy crap. And even my husband was like, you can't ignore that, you know, because <sighs> he wouldn't know that we were in a place of dead people, you know? Right. So, but he just, he got very uncomfortable. He said, there's too many people up in the trees. And he did comment on, he used to play in our backyard all the time. And we have a big oak tree in the backyard. And when he was about seven, he came in and we said, well, why aren't you outside playing? Because he was having a great time. He had like a little fort and stuff out there. And he goes, the boy in the tree is throwing things at me. And he never went back out there, never went back out to to play. Oh my God. Um, so, you know, lots of, but when, but when it became where I couldn't ignore it was he was probably nine and he'd had these experiences and we didn't poo-poo him or anything. But I didn't share with him that I was this way too, right? Because I was still very much in little people land and I just wanted to go to birthday parties and not be the weird family. Right. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I, I, grew, I grew up in the weird family and I, and anyway, I've come to learn that once you're weird, you're weird. <laughs> but um, how hard you try to hide it, but yeah. Um, we went to this area of North Carolina that we really love, and we now own property up there. And they have this really cute little downtown area, and they have a, and it is, you know, it's a 
it's a cute little restaurant, but it's in an old house, mm -hmm. right? So, and I had been told that this restaurant was really good and I really wanted to go there. So <clears throat> we go in and I love old homes. I love old farmhouses. You know, I just, I'm, I like those things. So I was really happy to be there. And um, we were seated in what was the attic of the home, but it wasn't creepy. It was like, you know, it's where ladies go to brunch. You know, it was a quiche and crepe kind of a place. It was mm -hmm. not a haunted basement type of environment. But it was clearly in an old house. And there was um, like an old hidey hole door over in the corner for storage, right? And I swear to you, and this is where, again, where I'm, I don't see things. I just know things. But it was very clear to me that there was an old servant that still lived in the house. Mm. She didn't understand why so many people were there and it was blocking her way to this hidey hole. And she was needing to store things and, and take care of the house for the family. And she was very agitated, right? That there were people in her space and I wasn't seeing anything. I just knew, right? Mm. I just knew. Well, at the same time, I'm sitting there and I'm just trying to eat my quiche and drink my mimosa. You know what I mean? I'm trying to like just sort of do the normal thing. Right. And my son is getting more agitated and more agitated. And mom, we need to go. I don't like it here. I don't like it here. We need to go. And I'm getting mad at him because I just want to have a dang piece of quiche and, you know, have a nice lunch and just enjoy our vacation. And he never acts that way. He's a real easy kid and he's a real easy kid to travel with. So I just found myself going, you know, but I was mad at him. I wasn't patient, right? Um, very rarely do I get mad. And at that moment, I'm upset that the lady just needs to chill out. I just want to eat my lunch. My husband wants to go because my son doesn't want to be there. My son's being a little jerk. It was sort of this really angsty moment. So we storm and storm out of this restaurant. Instead of it being this really loving family experience, it was angst and you know agitation. And so I turn around to get angry at my son. And he goes, Mom, I'm sorry. But that lady was bugging me. She was getting, she made me feel uncomfortable. Wow. And I looked at him and I went, the lady who was trying to put the things away in the hidey hole. And he goes, yes. And I looked at him and I just, you know, grabbed his face. And now I fully understood. And I just said, I saw her too. Yeah. And even though I didn't see her, you know, right. Right. and he looked at me and he, this sense of relief flooded over him and he said you saw her too and I said yes and I didn't like her and she had me all worked up too mm -hmm. I said it's okay I said I've had I this happens to me too and it's okay we're gonna be okay and so he just you could just feel the weight of the world's you know fall off of him and um he you know he'll share with me even to this day he'll talk to me like when my father passed away my father hung around here for a long time and didn't hang out with me hung out with my son but that was to be expected because he liked my son exponentially better than me but now you know he's 15 and he doesn't have any interest in the paranormal and he doesn't understand why I go on ghost hunts and 
why it's fun to me. So he's still open to it. He just is not interested in it. So. Wow. But yeah, I love that. I love that he has you too. Hold on. Yeah. It's, it works. It's a, you know, and my husband even, because like I said, my husband does not, he's had a couple experiences of his own, but nothing really too profound. And he, um, he, but he validates that both my son and I are this way. But he jokingly will look at us because my son and I are like two peas in a pod and he'll go, how do I get, how did I get into this family? But he says it with, you know, <laughs> it, with a lot of love in his heart. But, you know, right. Nolan and I, I was a safe place for Nolan to land when he, you know, as a parent. So Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, some of the things that he would say to you, it reminds me, I had a, uh, a girl in my class. I, I teach high school. So it's like nine through okay. twelve. But I had a girl graduate last year that uh i don't think she listens to the show but she uh <laughs> she had a real hard time like she she couldn't really stay in class very much like they okay they uh they actually i think they had her stay down like the special needs room you know for the okay. most part, honestly um because they said that she had all these diagnoses of you know mental health diagnosis and that was on paper but when she would talk to me, it was, you know, she's a psychic medium, you know, and she could see auras and there's constantly people interrupting class, you know, yeah. you know, there's people, there was somebody around me that she said, I'm trying my best to pay attention to you. And how can you sit and do math when you're aware yeah, of something like that? Exactly. And yeah. she dressed very eccentrically, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she right. was hundred percent her own person. <laughs> and you could tell she was just tormented though like yeah it is a lot going on up there and you know the kids found out that I, that I have a show you know and I, I actually let some of them come on the show to talk okay so several kids uh, it was on one of my anniversary episodes several of the kids their story related to a time they spent with her like they would okay. have sleepovers and she would do readings and okay. how spot on she is. And other teachers were talking about how spot on this girl is with these, you know, she's, she's telling you about this stuff. You know, I can honestly say that I'm actually jealous of people like that because yeah. my experiences are so watered down. It's I've got a feeling or I just knew, yep. but when you can just flat out, see it and hear it and it's in your face I I think that that's it's a cool ability and I hope she can not be labeled as mentally ill and is able to find a way to embrace this yeah. ability that she has and she don't fight it you know she said it was a big distraction but she graduated you know she made it through high school um but yeah she's even like her senior year, she missed school for a couple of days because she went somewhere to help cleanse a house and stuff. You know what I mean? That's that's really yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, go for it. You know, if uh, I'm all about it, if that's what she uh, wants. Well, you know, I'm it, so I'm a big fan of. Um, are we allowed to mention specific shows? Sure. Yeah. On okay. So <clears throat> I watch a ton of the paranormal shows. And again, my brother, my husband's like, why do you watch them? And I, I say, you know, it's a validation that I'm not out here alone, totally wacky, right? 
So my two favorite uh, paranormal shows are Ghost Hunters and then the, the technical spinoff is Kindred Spirits. I think um, yeah. uh, the two hosts there do a phenomenal job in really trying to help yeah. the spirits. They're not there to just agitate. They find the story and they try to help them. And I, I appreciate that greatly. So they, the owner or the, the female lead on the show has a travel company that she, um, it's a haunted travel uh, a company that she does. And so she called Great Escapes. And so she hosts these like mini, uh, you know, paranormal conferences every year. And she does that once a year in St. Augustine. And a year ago, I went because I Florida and if you want to ever know that the world has ghosts, you need to go to the St. Augustine lighthouse because that's just in your face, you know, mm-hmm. kind of experience. Um, so a friend of mine and I went, now my friend has not had experiences, but she loves the stuff, but she has not had experiences. And so we went to this and we did like a, you know, midnight um, guided ghost hunt with the stars of, um, kindred spirits and they had a ghost box there and there was a young kid yelling at us through the ghost box to get out you know to get out and my friend I was all alive I was like this is the best moment of my life (laughs) and my friend was like I was literally having to hold her and soothe her and um anyway I I just think that it's fun when you can have solid experiences and it's not so ethereal you know and it it just leads me back to the student that you had that it's it's nice that she has a concrete ability and she has a concrete connection with it and it's not just living in the shadows for her right so so anyway so yeah it's neat that you had a student like that yeah it 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 was interesting you know because she would read my aura you know she's like it, you know, talking about my light, and you know, I talked about it on the show and stuff before, but uh, that she, I guess, I had a blend of light that she was seeing. And okay. She's, she said, uh, it was like very flattering. Okay. <laughs> 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 One of the colors I forget now, I think it was red. She said, but it was uh, that I, I spoke truth or whatever. And so I, I, I was red somewhere. And then she said, my feet were white because I walked in the light, she said. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'll take it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it's kind of like that one student I had who saw like half alien people. Yeah. It's nice when you get validated that it's like good for people who can see these things. If he didn't call me some snaky, like alien person who lived in the swamp, he was <laughs> right. you know, like, no, you're one of the good ones. So to have a student who can see these things and have the good things to say to you. That's very validating. Yeah. It felt good. Uh, yes. Have, have, is there anything that jumps out Jennifer that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to? No, I think that pretty much, you know, I think that pretty much covers it. I, you know, would just want to say, cause I don't know you're new to me. This whole, you know, like that cryptid, Facebook page where I found you is new to me and that's more of just a passing um, interest. I think I was maybe looking to see that there would be some creatures up in the mountain that I just purchased, you know, (laughs) so that I could like be up there and, um, but uh, 
the so I don't know really who your audience is, but if there are, you know, I enjoy talking about this because I'm a fairly subdued person. You know, I'm not, you know, I live a very maternal suburban life. So, you know, there are people out there who are having all kinds of experiences and you know, just, you never know who you're talking to. And if you are experiencing this and feeling that you shouldn't be or couldn't be, you know, just know that it's okay, but it's, you know, you can embrace it and still live another kind of life too. It doesn't have to be a problem for you. And real, real quick, just because your student, you jogged a memory of mine. When I was very little, maybe six or seven, I was watching TV on a Sunday afternoon and why they even showed this movie on a Sunday afternoon, I'll never know. But again, it was the late seventies and they did things like that. But if you've never seen this movie, I would highly recommend it. I think it was done in 73. And it's called Let's Scare Jessica to Death. And the premise of the movie, it's actually a phenomenal movie. Um, but it is sad and scary as hell. The premise is that Jessica is being picked up. She's had been living in New York City and she's the, the movie starts with her being picked up by her husband and her husband's best friend from a mental institution. And they, they've decided they're going to, she's had an issue. Clearly she had to be hospitalized. And the movie starts with them picking her up and they're now moving out of the city, moving up to upstate New York into an old Victorian farmhouse of course. out in the middle of nowhere um, to recuperate and start a new quieter, you know, grassrootsy kind of life and as the movie progresses um a character comes in that is clearly you know it's like a vampire ghost kind of a thing but it's done in that beautiful early 70s creepy way and um jessica's hearing voices and tapping into something and everybody's calling her crazy and then it i'm not ruining the movie because the movie is phenomenally creepy but it ends up the whole town has been under the um, the guise of this Victorian vampire ghost. And they're all like these pseudo vampire humans. And Jessica's now the only one left. And she's in the middle of a lake on a boat. And it's very, and there, you know, and oh. you feel so bad. But the thing that is excellent about this movie is because they, it walks that line is, is this woman mentally ill or is she exceptionally awake? Yes. And has been poorly guided into thinking she has mental illness instead of actually realizing that she has these abilities. And it ends up, she was right. The people in her life were not good and she was hearing the real voices and stuff like that. Yes. So, and I often wonder how many people are labeled as mentally ill that actually just have these sixth senses i believe that with all my heart yeah all my heart i'm sure there's some real crazies out there but <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sure there, there are i'm sure there are but uh, yeah i think given day, but... way more often than not it's uh something extrasensory that we need to be aware we'll look at yeah and if they had been validated instead of made wrong maybe they'd be living a significantly different life so yeah, yeah. anyway 
Well, thank you so much. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on. And I feel like I've enjoyed communicating with you. I feel like there's well, a lot more to get into. There is, but it's, you know, it's minutia. There, you know, I had one other here. Um, a spaceship experience. It was like teeny tiny, just a little blip. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we were just closing off and maybe I should tell that story, but it was here. I told you we have this big water retention area. We live in a townhouse community and our house borderlines, the big water retention area. And I, we were having like a little block party and I was outside and I looked over to the side, something, you know, caught my eye and I looked over and there was, it was a triangle. I'm very bad at geometry, so I don't know the shape of the triangle, <laughs> but not all sides were equal. Two sides were very long and then a short one and it was shimmery. Um, and I'm using very Star Trekky language for this. So just okay. forgive me, but it almost seemed like a malfunctioning cloaking device. Mm. you know where the thing was it was right at dusk you know again at dusk yeah and so it caught the shimmer it you know almost like mercury it kind of had the shimmer of mercury and it just shot straight up into the sky and it was maybe a three second limit of my life and I even mentioned it to my husband right. and I love the man because he didn't go I'm married to a crazy lady he just went okay he knows me well enough by now, you know, that he gets the brunt of my experiences. And that was it. I didn't make anything of it. I didn't, you know, go on some life journey. I had that little bit of, you know, as you and I have discussed that I've heard that, mo you know, the little bit of research I've done with um, extraterrestrials is that usually it's not a one-off experience. Right. And if you see them, it's purposeful and they usually check in on you from time to time. So though I've not had anything as blatant as that one when I was eight, I just have had a little nugget of, I wonder if he or they, you know, ever check in. And so when I saw that happen, I thought, and I've had other people say this area, I kind of live in the Clearwater area of Florida, that other people have had uh, sightings here um, that weren't too different than mine. But I, you know, it made me wonder because I live in a very, where they could, park in right. privacy you know there's space out there um so i just have had a very low-grade curiosity as to whether or not i've been checked in on yes. but i don't feel like i've been abducted or any of that so now i'm done <laughs> <laughs> well that brought me back to a couple more questions i had just real okay quick. okay about, about that's not a problem about the description of this this hammerhead alien being. right um for lack of better terms, I'm sorry. Uh, that's that's how I describe it. Those is clearly, you know, I he was super tall, right? Or yeah, but I was also eight, so good point. You know, everybody you know? was super tall to me at that. <laughs> I would say he was in the six to eight foot range if I had to put something on it now. Okay, six to eight foot. That sounds about. That sounds good. I'll take that. And this is kind of odd, but it's very specific. How many fingers did it, when it raises its hand up, did it have four? Did it have six? Did it have? Yeah, I want to say, I mean, I really just very aware of the 
shushing, you know, and it was very gentle, very kind, but very aware of that motion. Um, I want to say five, okay. but I didn't look, I didn't register that specifically, okay. but that would be, that's the number that it comes to mind. Okay. That it seemed like it was, you know, he was clearly not human. Um, this wasn't somebody who was like in a costume or anything, right. but he did have, if, if I had to guess, or if I had, if I pushed into you know saying it it would be five fingers okay and i i just asked that because sometimes people fixate on certain things like obviously his head and wrinkly skin is something you could fixate more attention to detail on right um some people like i talked to a lot of people that have had sasquatch encounters um that's the mother load yeah <laughs> um and sometimes they'll just like they cannot get over the width of his shoulders or you know okay the size of the mouth and stuff like that. And so they just kind of hyper fixate on something. And I, I didn't know maybe if you, if you caught attention to the hand or. No, really what, if I were to, to fixate on something um, is if you would say that a little girl encountered an alien being at dusk in a very tumultuous time in her life, you would think that that would be a very traumatizing, scary moment in that child's life yeah. right that could yes. make her afraid of the dark and make her not want to ever be alone you know that could have been a very pivotal turning moment Absolutely. and the thing i always land on is that it was a friend when i needed a friend it, there was so much love and kindness and like i said i feel that the meeting was accidental i don't feel that he had been sent to find me or to encounter me yeah. right I feel like it was an encounter for him as well yeah. you know but um I there is no fear none if anything I would have probably preferred to go off with him the kindness yeah. that he emanated there was a friend that was a safe that was safe that was a safe place and it gave me hope and because like I said it was a real tumultuous time right. in my life and so it was um it was like a first glimmer of that there's goodness out there in it's in the form of an alien being but it there is actual love and kindness and goodness out there and it made me feel very good it just it was a very like a, a needed moment of love yeah. and I got it from this alien being with a hammerhead I can't explain it any, well, in any other way. I'm glad you got it. You know, yeah, me too. I'm glad me you too. got it and that, it, that it's worked out the way it has. It sounds like you've had a pretty fun life, pretty good life in the long run. Yeah, it's it's been a great life and I, I wouldn't have it now any other way. But Amen. it is not easy being a child who can see things. It, it takes you out of the group. Right. And so, you know, that I would just, if anybody out there can relate to that, that is, or if anybody out there knows a child who is a little off, yes, know that they're not off by choice. They've got things going on and, you know, have some compassion for it. Cause it's, it's hard, you know, when you see the kids coming from the normal, the normal families and doing fine at birthday parties and going to swim class and all that. And, you're the little kid who's talking to ghosts in the corner, you know, yeah. it's not an easy thing to be. So. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm sure it'll help somebody. Um, I get emails all the time, 
you know, a guest comes on and I'll get, thank you for having them on emails. Oh, that's great. So I'm sure, I'm sure your email, your, your, your session with me here, it's going to, it's going to help somebody. Well, almost feels like a, like a therapy session. So that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's my background, I, yeah. I, not therapy, but uh, counseling, you know. Okay, well, you're very comfortable so. to talk to. So this has been fun. So I, I appreciate having you on. Okay. Anytime you want to come back, just holler at me and we'll bring okay. you back on the show, okay? Well, I'd love to have our paths cross again. So Absolutely. thank you very much. Hey, thank you. You have a good evening. All right. Good yeah, you here. too. Thanks. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there, uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel at any time. Get in on... uh, all the, the new, latest, and greatest stuff we have going on. All right, so again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless.
is a table that comes Shady with the saints of gold With their troubles far behind them To never suffer anymore I'm going home in your life that you're you're ready to give your heart over to the Lord then I have a little a little message that I found that if you repeat it and you believe it in your heart this could help lead you closer to God to, to let Jesus Christ save you and it goes like this Heavenly Father I come to you from the depths of my heart realizing that I have sinned I repent of my sins and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died on the cross for me and my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and live in me now. I receive by faith you as my personal Lord and Savior. I receive your Holy Spirit as my comforter to help me obey you and do your will. It is in Jesus' name that I believe and receive the things prayed this day. Amen. Oh, white robe and 
them golden slippers upon his feet. He walks at sea with the golden streams. Yeah. 